When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Not much happened uh, between the start of free agency and when we did our last episode, and it was honestly a little bit boring to talk about. Uh, In the week that has passed since then, uh, Good night. Everything happened. <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson, Devontae Adams, Titan-specific Julio Jones, Robert Woods, Austin Hooper, non-Titan-specific Matt Ryan. Uh, wow. What a wild, wild week. Is this, a, is this as wild and wacky as NFL free agency has ever been? And that the list of topics I just threw out, that doesn't even include Russell Wilson, which happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, like, I don't think there's ever been this much movement on the quarterback front within the NFL in one offseason. Like, I, I'm, I'm like having a hard time figuring out where quarterbacks even are. It's crazy. And so many of them are like high profile quarterbacks. So it's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool that there's this much movement. It, it, it makes for an exciting off season and it should make for a really exciting uh, regular season. Um, and thankfully si- since the last time we, we had an episode, uh, the times have made some moves. So I'm even more excited for the regular season and uh, ready to go. Yeah, it's definitely one of those times where, Usually you'll get all these rumors, like especially with Russell Wilson, you know, we've heard for three years that he was going to get traded and it just kind of became one of those things you hear and don't expect to happen. And it's almost like as soon as that happened, the rest of the league was like, wow, I guess anything is possible. Like there's been so many quarterbacks traded so many, like I want to say there's six. Mm, There's either five or six traded first round picks in this upcoming draft like that which is crazy like 
I, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine a time where there's been more movement, especially when before free agency happened, we all talked about how there weren't really any big like fish at the top of the free agency market. And maybe that's why there's so many trades, but like there's been plenty of money. I mean, like Jacksonville's given out more money than anybody else, you know, even has, it feels like. So, I mean, teams are finding ways to spend money and they're finding players to move. So it's, it's fun to watch. It's just, I mean, it's why it's hard to keep track of day to day because it's like the Titans will make a move and then four other blockbusters will happen and it kind of gets buried in the mix. I'm I'm old enough to remember the days in the NFL where if you didn't actively have a quarterback on your roster, you were screwed unless you miraculously hit on one in the draft. And now it's just like we don't have a quarterback. Ah, uh, we'll just go get Russell Wilson. We don't have a quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan, he's on, but he's good still. Better than what we had last year. Let's go get him. We don't have a quarterback. Uh, three first-round picks, Pro Bowler, Deshaun Watson. Let's do it. Like, why are why do you think teams are now all of a sudden more more willing to trade quarterbacks? Like it, I, it it seems strange to me the fact that. You know, three years ago, some of these these trades would be considered unheard of, and we've been expecting most of this for some time now. Yeah, I, I mean, you're not wrong. The NFL has definitely changed in, in this regard, and it, it wasn't like this before. Like, teams were very reluctant to even pull off uh, trades, and I think they kind of took a page out of the NBA's playbook because NBA teams would just trade anyone try to get picks or you know move these high profile stars uh, particularly at the trade deadline and i remember like every time the nfl trade deadline would come and go nothing would happen like there would be no movement at all um and there there have been more recently but now in the offseason it's like it's just musical chairs at some of these positions and i'm all for it i i like it i i think it makes the league more fun um, it definitely helps extend the NFL season because there's really no off time ever, um, except for maybe like the summer months between like mini camp and training camp. But it, it's great. I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of this. I, I like that that there's movement. I like the teams are willing to you know give up a lot of draft capital to get a franchise quarterback, and we're gonna see some of them work out, and we're gonna see some of them just completely uh, fail. So. It'll be interesting to see who who comes out um, as a winner in all this, um, and, and it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the Titans fare um, within within this landscape because there are definitely question marks surrounding uh, Tannehill right now. And you know, if he has another uh, below average season, which yeah, I mean, he he didn't really, but if he has another below average season. Um, it'll be interesting if people are going to look back and say, mm, maybe the Titans should have, you know, made a big trade for one of those quarterbacks and moved that off season. Yeah. And it's sort of the perfect storm, right? Because a trade for a quarterback finally worked with Stafford winning the Super Bowl, And then there's just a black hole of talent in the draft where there's just no quarterback and people are squinting their eyes, trying to make one of these guys a, a franchise quarterback because they want something to talk about on you know other podcasts and during the draft and all that i mean 
if somebody hits from this class, it's because they got linked up with a really good offensive mind and had plenty of weapons around them. Like there's just not that guy. So, I mean, if you need a quarterback, especially with as many quarterbacks who wanted out of their current situation, like if, if you want, I mean, if you wanted a quarterback, this was the year to trade for one. So, I mean, we may never see something like this again, or if it works out, teams could be motivated to pull the trigger on those big blockbusters deals. And, you know, quarterbacks could be more inclined, especially with these no trade clauses, like quarterbacks could be more inclined to just say, Hey, you know, I've, I've done my time here. I'm not like, I mean, it's going to happen in Jacksonville forever where they're just sort of a feeding ground for the rest of the NFL, where whether it's Jalen Ramsey or Yannick Ngakwe or, you know, whoever it is where they're just going to say, okay, I've had enough time in Jacksonville, like send me to a real NFL team and they'll get traded. So, uh, I mean, maybe that's the new way like that. Like you said, Matias, that's much more fun. Like that's the way it happens in other sports. So I, I, I would love for it to be that way in the NFL. We'll come back to the around the league stuff in a bit because there's there's a lot of it to talk about. And, and like you guys said, it's fun. It's exciting to see all of these moves going down. But let's start with what the Titans have done since the last time we met. That's why I have a terrible case of the hiccups. That's why I keep cutting out. Um, Austin Hooper, I believe, was the first move, signing him to a one-year contract. Uh I remember Austin Hooper used to strike me when he was Atlanta as like a boring player. I remember always thinking, like when they got Hayden Hurst over instead of him, I was like, oh, that's a big upgrade. Like, <laughs> now I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Uh, but Austin Hooper, to me, has always been steady, reliable, and, and you know what you're getting. There's none of this high up and down, like with Ferks or, uh, he's reliable, uh, he gets open, he catches the football, which couldn't be... I mean, he's he's vastly better than what they had in 2021. Uh, what did you guys think about this move? I, I, I think it, it really kind of had to happen, no? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely made sense that, that once Cleveland uh, released him after they gave Njoku the franchise tag that the Times would be interested. <clears throat> um, I was getting a little... I was getting a little worried um, with the tight end market, to be honest. Uh, there were still some names out there, but uh, when I saw that Tyler Conklin had signed with the Jets, I was like, all right, man, we got to start moving a little bit because uh, I don't want, you know, some of the, the top end talent to start thinning out uh, even more than it had been. But like immediately after Austin Hooper signed in and I was definitely at ease, I, I think it's a great signing. I think he fits the team well. Um, he, like you said, he's very reliable. He's just a good all-around player. He can block well. He's a good pass catcher. He's not necessarily explosive, but he's he's good. He's just a good player, and he's one of the better tight ends, um, really in the league because there really aren't too many guys, um, that are outstanding at the position, save for save for like five of them. So. Good move. Uh, I really like it. I, I think it had to happen for the Titans, and the tight end room definitely looks better already, which is crazy to say just by signing one person, but it really does, and I think it sets them up uh, to draft the tight end in maybe the third or fourth or fifth round um, in, in a class that's pretty deep at that position. Yeah, like you said he was boring. I, I mean, that's 
you know, a strange thing to me. Like if you look back through, uh, I think over the last five years, since 1892, the last four years, uh, he's one of like 12 tight ends with uh, more than 2000 receiving yards. It's like Kelsey Kittle, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, Waller, Jared Cook, Goddard, Jacecki, and him. And then he's like 100 yards ahead of Gronkowski. Um, and, you know, he's 200 yards of a Higby and Ingram and all of them. So it, it's he's one of those guys who doesn't really get the credit he deserves because he was starting to hit his stride in Atlanta. He had back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons where he had, I think, over 600 yards in each of those seasons. And then Cleveland paid him a bunch of money and then – Instead of using the Pro Bowl receiver who was a better receiving th- threat than Njoku, they were just like, how about you stay in and block? Which he can do. And that, you know, he was almost the victim, like the Delaney Walker thing, where it, it, his big issue was that he was too good of a blocker and the other guy couldn't do it. So he, you know, he didn't quite get the looks he should have in Cleveland. But I mean, this is, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that he's going to go to a Pro Bowl with the Titans or anything, but. If he would have been cut at the beginning of free agency and everybody would have had a chance to run at all these guys equally, I I think he would have gotten nine million, ten. I mean, like I, I think a team would have given him a bigger deal, but because he got cut so late in free agency, because that's what the Browns intended to do, they were trying to shop him around. But because you know the the Titans were patient and waited, they got a value deal on one of the better tight ends in this class. So, uh, I mean, it's a good, it's a really good move and. More than anything, it doesn't matter who they draft like at tight end. It was always going to be a free agent veteran starting as tight end one and then Swaim starting as tight end two. So it, it doesn't matter if they trade up to the number one pick and draft a tight end there. He won't start. So it, it was crucial that they get a veteran to come in and play, and they did, and they got a good one who can do more than one thing really well, which is hard to do. So... The move that came after that was the release of Julio Jones. And between that and the uh, Robert Woods trade, Nick Westbrook-Akina was wide receiver two on the Titans. Now, since then, we have the hindsight of the Robert Woods trade, of the fact that they're still in all likelihood going to take a receiver high in the draft. At least you would hope that's what they're going to do. But I still, sitting here today, mm, my initial reaction to the Julio trade was very negative. And I think I've cooled down a bit. I still don't love it, though. Will, I know you're going to defend your boy, J-Rob. But what do y'all think? Yeah, do you do you, do you have things like if you want to if you want to get your swings in <laughs> now, get them. Yeah, them's are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go ahead and jump in. Like, I don't think so. I, you, I think you said you were you were upset at the trade. I think you meant the cut, right? Julio so, getting cut. Yeah, yeah. So like, at the, the, let's go back to the beginning because at the trade we all agreed that it was a good move. It made plenty of sense. You're replacing Corey Davis with Julio Jones. You roll the dice, you know, if it was if he was gonna be Julio Jones for sure, he never would have gotten traded. So this is part of the risk you take on and why he was only a second round pick and why he even got traded in the first place. So we were all on board with the move. The problem is and I told you guys this weeks and weeks ago, 
is I said in the group message or in the DMs, I said, what if the Titans could cut Julio Jones and open up 11 million in cap space or 10 million or whatever it is? Uh, and then I asked if y'all would do it because at the time I was kind of 50 50 split depending on what it would mean for re-signing Harold Landry, what it would mean in terms of what they could do in free agency. But it, I, my, my final point in all that was if they can find a way to get a receiver who's more stable and and or has more upside than Julio at a price equal to or less than you know what they would get by cutting him, then they should do it. And so the the Julio Jones cut in itself was inconclusive until they found a wide receiver too. Like if they would have gone and uh, their their move was cut Julio Jones and sign Sammy Watkins, yeah, that would have been a pretty bad like a pretty bad outcome, but it wasn't. So it's sort of like the ends justify the means. So, I I mean, I I just think if they were going to invest bigger money and, you know, a high pick and a wide receiver, they weren't going to keep Julio on at his price tag. Matias. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like, I, I, I think, I think it made sense to cut Julio, um, given everything. And, it would have been a real risk to go into the season with Julio um, as the de facto number two wide receiver, especially given how I mean, his body is breaking down. Like, it, I I think that much is pretty clear. It started to happen towards the end of his Falcons tenure. And then last year, it was just a disaster. Like he couldn't he couldn't finish a game. He couldn't finish a game without something hurting him either the following week or towards the end of even that specific game. So it just, it just had to happen. Like I I don't think they could have gotten in um, relying on him after everything that happened last season. Um, so I, I, I was on board with that for sure. Um, and I love the Robert Woods trade really. I, I think that was the perfect, uh, a, a perfect fit. Once we, once we even knew that the, that the Rams were shopping him. I mean, the first team that came to mind was the Titans, um, just because even the Titans themselves, uh, John Robinson and Mike Rabel, like had talked about uh, Robert Woods in the past. He's a great blocker. He's just such a reliable player, great teammate, um, and one of their better receivers in the league. So it, it made sense to swap Julio with, with Woods, and uh, I'm glad they did it. I, I think they're going to be a lot better off for it. I hate admitting that I'm wrong. It it really me pains me. It makes my insides churn. But I think the one thing that I lost sight of when I was criticizing the Julio move, I I think I got too and and you know this happens when you're a columnist and an, and an opinionist, right? That's what we do. You're going to be wrong sometimes. I think I was too caught up in well they don't get the money until June 1st so who cares neglecting the fact that that 10 million dollars can be used at that point to sign the draft class and so really they do get an extra 10 million dollars right now in the sense of the flexibility they ultimately don't have to allow themselves do I think Robert Woods is an upgrade from Julio Jones? Because I think at this point, that is the question now that we have the hindsight. 
it all comes down to the, the availability, right? I mean, that was the thing with Julio is when he played, it was fine. It's just he never played in the, the week-to-week thing. But with Woods, you worry about coming off the ACL. Not that he's going to aggravate it or anything, but what we saw with Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree in 2021, which is that, you know, there's an acclimation period with that. What do you get? Let me ask this question. 16, 17 games of Robert Woods or 11 games of Julio Jones? It's it it, it's, it, it, it it needs to be what Julio Jones would I be getting in the playoffs like that. That's the thing, because if we get the same Julio Jones that we got last year. No, like I, I'm taking Robert Woods every time. But I don't know. Like you say it was fine when Julio was playing, but was it really like he had one good game? It was the Seahawks. Well, was it the Texans game also that he played well? Um I think it was that one. I can't even remember, honestly. But there were other games where he was he was just a complete non-factor. And in the playoff game, really, he he didn't do anything to, you know, quell any of those concerns. So I, just, I don't know. I, I just there was no way to 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 rely on that. Give me 17 games of Robert Woods, who is always there for you. He never plays a bad game. And he's just a great veteran receiver. Plus, he's younger also. Yeah, so it, that's that's a really good point. Um, everything you said, Matias, and then like the question of what would you rather have. So here are the per game stats from last year: Julio uh, yards per game forty three point four, Robert Woods yards per game sixty one point eight, yards per reception fourteen for Julio, twelve point four for Robert Woods, yards per target nine for Julio. 8.1 for Robert Woods. And, you know, some of that is the the style that the Titans play, and some of that is uh, numbers decreasing over time in, in an offense like the, the Rams where you get so many targets. So the, the point is there's really not a massive difference, right? It's like you might get you might get one more yard per reception, but you'll probably get, you know, three more receptions per game. You know, if if you're playing with Robert Woods, and I, I think more than anything, this offense needs somebody who can be out there consistently. Like they need that from AJ Brown, uh, they need that from Robert Woods. Now, like they need to be healthy and consistent because they they too many times they had to just throw guys in, and it's almost not even about how good the player that's in is, but it's how bad the replacement is behind him or the wide receiver six that has to come in because everybody else is hurt. So uh, at the end of the day, you're getting somebody who's, what, three years younger in Robert Woods, who's been pretty, like, before uh, the ACL tear, he played in uh, all but one game over the last three years. And he had 1,200 yards, 1,100 yards, and 900 yards in those seasons. And that's with Cooper Cup. So it's not like he was being force-fed targets. So you've got a guy who is one of the best run blockers at wide receiver, which we know is a big buzzword for them. You've got a guy who can line up in the slot or outside. You've got a guy who has been healthier and you know 
is loved by his teammates, even though he does have an injury now, like, I, I think you have to go with Robert Woods, especially when you consider he's still cheaper than what Julio would have been this year. I will say this, and I, I haven't done a whole lot of defending of Ryan Tannehill lately. I want to do some now. <laughs> are you are you excited, Will? <laughs> I have I have it uh, recording a clip on my computer just so I can play <laughs> back in dark times. And it, it, it's not sarcastic either; it's genuine. Um, I I asked Tannehill at one point last season, in the midst of all this Julio stuff, and it wasn't just Julio; it was AJ too. Had some injury stuff. I said, I, you know, I know you guys are next man up. I know you're tough and all that. But isn't it difficult trying to grasp things when every week you're working with different guys? And his answer kind of shocked me. He he admitted that that was true. You know, he, he added in the whole, but, you know, this is, this is the league with 100% injury rate and blah, blah, blah. But he said... You know what? I'm not going to lie. It's difficult. And we're going to talk in a little bit about what the Titans really need to do to achieve their stated offseason goal, which is get better around Ryan Tannehill. But I'll say this. I do think part of getting better around Ryan Tannehill is making sure he has the same people there every week. Because Julio Jones, and again, I'm still grappling with this. I'm certainly... I mean, I, I was probably wrong. At least parts of what I said were wrong last week. But Julio Jones, this, the availability was a problem. And, and whether you're projecting that same problem onto this season, Robert Woods is going to be out there. He might struggle a little bit at first, a la Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan. But he's going to be out there, and he's going to be available. Another thing, you know, with the with the Julio Jones stuff, is he and Tannehill never got to develop a chemistry. A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill have as good a chemistry as just about anyone I've ever seen. I mean, the best of all time is probably, what, uh, uh, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, maybe followed by Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. I'm not saying it's that level, but they've got something special. and And that's come from the time they've spent together. Tannehill and Julio didn't have come anywhere close to that. And I remember asking Vrabel at one point, I said, you know, has Julio Jones' unavailability hindered that? And Vrabel sort of paused and goes, Ryan can only throw to the people who are out there. And I'm like, okay, thank you for agreeing with me. So from that perspective, I do think that this is helping Ryan Tannehill, and it was something that wasn't his fault last year that made his life significantly more difficult. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I'm glad he was transparent about that because it's true. Like, it is difficult. Um, I mean, throwing to Racy McMath and Cody Hollisher will, will break anyone mentally, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it's also good that Hooper is relatively pretty healthy he I, I think he missed a couple games in 19 and 20 um uh, but he's played most of most of all the other games um uh, so that'll be important i know we hate jeff swain but at least Tannehill has some sort of chemistry with him um he's thrown a lot to nick westbrook akina i know we don't like him but at the in a pinch you know he can get in there um and they at least have a little bit of chemistry so yeah i, I think it's important to keep building that core 
um, and, and keep Tannehill comfortable because we saw him struggle a lot last season. And I think a lot of it did have to do with so many moving pieces uh, around him and just having these guys available um, will, will be important for him. And, and we should be able to, to see um, a better Ryan Tannehill if that continues. I, re- I remember just to, to chime in quickly on what Matias said about being broken by those that that group of receivers. I remember at one point, I don't remember what game this was, but they lined up in an empty set. And out wide was Dontrell Hilliard, who's probably maybe the best player of this bunch. Dontrell Hilliard, Chester Rogers, Racy McMath, Nick Westbrook-Akina, and Anthony Ferkser. The one seed. The one seed in the AFC. (laughs) The one seed. Crazy. This is in a game with Derrick Henry wasn't playing because it's the Houston game you're talking about. Okay. Like, I I mean, and also, don't forget, this was like a day after Hilliard was signed. Like, this, this was not like six weeks into the season Hilliard. Like, this was like... Hey, uh, you don't know our offense, but we're out of wide receivers and we're going to go empty in the pouring rain. Uh, can you go help our quarterback? Like, I mean, pathetic stuff uh, from the OC there. But you know, like you're you're right. Like, I mean, I've you know, it, it it's a stupid thing to say defending because there's no value in like I'm not like Tannehill's best friend. Like, I don't like there's no value to me defending somebody if I don't think they're good. Like. I, I I truly believe that Tannehill was a vi- – I think when you look at his entire career, there's clear reasons why he was worse this year than his other seasons, and that's a bad OC and, you know, the walking dead around him. Like, and it's hard – like, when you have an offensive coordinator who's been bad, you know, the other time he was allowed to call plays, and when you have the highest number of injuries in an NFL season on record, then they're not excused. They're historical outliers. So, again, getting back to, you know, even when Corey Davis and A.J. Brown had their big year in 2020, they both missed two games during the regular season. So it's like you don't have to have perfect attendance. You just have to not get massive injuries to your starting wide receivers. You know, so if you can just get a guy who, you know, you play you you play him in the slot if you find a, another boundary receiver or you play him out wide whatever but you know you don't have to bring him out you know you don't have to put Nick Westbrook Aquino on the field to block because Robert Woods is going to block you don't have to you know you can do creative things with him he can t- you know he can run the ball if you want him to not consistently obviously but I mean in 2018 he had uh, this is Robert Woods in 2018 he had 19 carries in 20 uh not, or sorry 2018 he had 19 carries 2019 he had 17 2020 he had 24 like it, you can get him the ball on those jet sweeps and it turns your jet sweep motion into an actual threat instead of just a bluff and that's important when you have Derrick Henry in the backfield like it, it is important to stress defenses however you can and if they're genuinely afraid that he might get the ball and take it for 10 yards, they'll follow him for that half step and it'll open up stuff for Derrick Henry. So the offense should be better this year. It's the trend that's happened. Somehow it happened with uh, Shane Bowen and the defense. So maybe it'll happen with uh, the offense this year. But I mean, consistency is something that cannot be stressed enough. And also not, not necessarily vert, not, 
necessarily versatility in the sense that they can do everything, but versatility in the sense that there is no glaring weaknesses in their game. Like I think that's something that Hooper and Woods both have in common is that you can line them both up and not tip your hand. Like with Julio, they probably, especially last year, they probably weren't going to run a lot of run heavy stuff, especially in his direction if he was on the field. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The the 49ers game, like who who is the Niners defensive coordinator? My mind keeps blanking on that. It's not Sala, so whoever replaced Ryan's, D'Amico Ryan's. That's yes. right. Yeah, so I'm sitting there in the press box, like calling out, oh, this is a run, this is a pass. And I was right every time because on first down they trot out Roger, Chester Rogers and AJ and Julio and Ferk. And then on, on second down, in comes NWI, Racy McMath, and Jeff Swain. And I'm like, well, what do we think this is? <laughs> and if I can figure that out, then I think D'Amico Ryans and every other defensive coordinator can figure that out. And that was a real problem for them last year was the blinking neon sign. Hey, we're about to run the ball. Hey, this is a pass play. Like, that. that's going to be a little bit better this year you would think and even beyond yeah. that like uh, you know you're talking about like how obvious it was yeah it was super obvious and they still had one of their best games you know from a passing efficiency standpoint all year long because they they just had their starters out there so it's like even if you tip your hand it, as long as it's your starting talent you know aj brown Derek henry like who wasn't out there but like foreman was out there and he was playing well enough at, you know, Tannehill, Julio, like if you get talented guys on the field, Tannehill and the other veterans out there can make it work. Like you just can't be banged up and completely tip your hand before the the ball snapped. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. Um, the fact that Robert, which is he doesn't have to come off the field and he rarely did it with the Rams. I mean, he was over 90 percent snap count in pretty much every one of the last four years. One of them was 89%. Um, and I had to go back and check Julio snap can- counts. He hasn't been above 80% snap count in, since 2015. Like, that that's an issue. That's a real issue. Um, and, and you guys have laid it out very well. And, and I think um, this Robert Woods edition and, and the fact that we really don't have to take him off the field um, unless it's absolutely necessary, I, I think it's going to be a big... Uh, boon for the offense. The great thing about Robert Woods for the Titans is that he has more skills than just his presence on the football field, which is mainly what we've talked about so far. We're going to get into Robert Woods' fit within the offense and what he can add to the passing game in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Like, A.J. Brown is constantly getting rotated out. Um, Julio, the tight ends. But with Harold Landry, they're like, hey, man, full speed sprint every play. Go get him. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is interesting. (laughs) Uh, Another thing I find interesting, actually, um, we've mentioned the ACL injury before. It seems like the Titans do not care about ACL injuries at all. Like, they just signed Bud Dupree coming off one. 
Um, then they they trade for Robert Woods. Uh, they seem to be interested in Jameson Williams and John Mechie. Um, it's like Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons also, yeah. Um, Brian it's Tannehill. like they don't care. Did you say Tannehill? They, they, oh, true. Yeah, the knee injury as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Like they're just they are very, very like confident in their medical evaluations, uh, and I respect that honestly. Almost to a fault, <laughs> some would say <laughs> after last year. Um, yeah, like it is. It is super weird that like, and it's all value, right? It's like you're never gonna get like. How many times are you gonna not overpay for a Pro Bowl player? Like it's if they've got a major injury, like that or character issues. So if you're gonna find value in the draft, if you're gonna find value in free agency, you know the only way to do it is if you're taking a gamble on somebody who's hurt. And I guess if you collect enough of those hurt pieces and it's a fifty-fifty chance, and you get you know eight Pro Bowlers and you just draft well enough behind those guys to supplement them with average talent, and you you know you get four Pro Bowlers out of it, cool. Like that, that works, I guess, but that's really the only way you get value. Robert Woods, Mike Vrabel. I love the quote. People, people went to it immediately. I remember when he said it, it it was the Wednesday before Titans versus Rams on Sunday night football. Vrabel asked about Cooper cup and he says, well, the thing about the Rams receivers cup and Robert Woods is they're about the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. And it's funny uh, because, you know, the three of us have certainly made our share of jokes about uh, the Titans loving blocking, and, you know, we've gone back and forth about that with Corey Davis, certainly. Um, But, you know, it is true, as Frabel pointed out, that the Rams don't just have or didn't just have Robert Woods block defensive backs. Like, that dude was going against linebackers and and such and from that perspective he's certainly a fit for the titans offense i think derrick henry's gonna love playing with with robert woods guys what does he do in the passing game he's just good at everything at every level of the field he can be sure he could be in the middle of the field intermediate routes he can even get deep um and as we've seen throughout his career with the Rams, they used him on a bunch of running plays, like a bunch of jet sweeps and arounds. He's really good with the ball in his hands. He's not necessarily super fast, but he's very quick, very agile. Um, and, and it's definitely something that times could take advantage of, um, especially having AJ Brown on the other side, who, who's more of a power um, guy after the catch. They're really good. They should complement each other. Uh, very well, but Robert Woods just outstanding route runner gets open uh, at will. You don't really have to scheme up stuff for him, but if you do, he can beat you um, with the ball in his hands as well. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to watch him. I'm not excited because Todd Downing hasn't proven to be uh, very capable of of you know getting his players players in positions to win. Uh, but I think Robert Woods could get himself in a position to win, and, and I think um, that'll be important if, if Todd Downing is as poor as he was last year. Yeah, like you know everything you said. Like he can he can do a little bit of everything. It's he's one of those guys when you watch him, especially on screen passes, where like his vision is like, which is such a weird like it's, it's such a not exciting answer. Like it's like saying technique for an offensive and defensive lineman. Like it's like 
you'll you'll watch him and you're like, okay, it's first and ten, screen pass. It's like it looks like it's gonna be blocked up for four. And then six yards down the field, you're like, okay, he's still on his feet. And he's like kind of like half walking, half running, but like manipulating the defense and like setting up blockers. And then he'll get 14 yards. And you're like, how did he – like it, he's not – he wasn't making guys miss. Like he just understands the concept. Like maybe it's a football IQ thing more than a vision thing, but he just knows – where the soft spots are, you know, how he needs to play once he gets the ball in his hands, how deep he needs to be, like what touch is going to be on a ball if there's a defender in a certain place. Like it's it's really interesting to go back and watch it. Like he's he's one of those guys where he'll catch, you know, six passes in a game and you'll you won't feel like you're watching every catch. You're like, okay, that's a good catch. That's a good catch. Like sort of like maybe kind of like Corey, I'm trying to think of a Titans receiver, maybe like Corey Davis was uh, at times where it's just like, you're like, how did he get 120 yards? And it's like, oh, he had six catches that were 15 yards and then one big catch. And it's like that kind of sneaky accumulation, which is awesome. Like that, you know, that's what you need is somebody to move the chains to set up your other guys. Maybe like Nate Washington. Yeah, kind of, but Nate Washington always looked fast to me because he was so skinny. Like, it, Woods looks bigger than, like, I mean, and, you know, that's probably why he's a good blocker. But, I mean, he's listed at sub 200. Like, he doesn't, like, when I watch him, I don't see a guy who I'm like, oh, he's like Adam Humphrey size. Like, I mean, he looks thicker built and stronger. So, I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to find a comparison. Um, for the, the, for the old heads, maybe Derek Mason. <sighs> I just like I, I, it's so hard because, you know, it's what, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, something in that range at this point where it's just like the the last time I saw Derek Mason play like. I, I don't I don't remember, like it's hard for me to remember what he looked like as, you know, and translate that to an adult. Like it'd be like asking me to compare Javon Kirst to somebody. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. He's he's good. Like. He is a very effective, which I guess is the perfect word for Ryan Tannehill, is he is very effective and he does more than you want him to do. But it's not like, you know, he's not going to be Tyreek Hill. Like, he's not going to turn a no gain into a 50-yard touchdown. But he might turn a three-yard gain into a 12-yard gain and an easy first down and then force the defense to be on their toes all game long. Maybe Maybe like what they thought they were getting in Eric Decker. Yeah, that's not bad. I thought because I thought you were going to say Adam Humphreys because uh, he's he's sort of like a bigger, faster Adam Humphreys. But yeah, Eric Decker's not a, not a bad sh- like. I mean, he's kind of like Emmanuel Sanders, like without like the super speed he had at like across the field, like when he was younger, like just that like crossing route. Like it, I, the the problem is there's not anything he doesn't do well. Like I don't think you want to run him on vertical routes too often. But also, you could use him on a double move, and I'm sure he would sell it with his like with his route running and how. So, I mean, he's 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 great. Like he's not gonna like. He, there's a reason why he hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet, and that's because he's always been an elite number two. Uh, you know, a low end wide receiver one. Who, if you have a wide receiver one and he's out for a few games, you'll be okay. But your your offense isn't going to be a top ten unit if he's your number one for a full season. So. I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that he can be 
a top wide receiver too, just because he can do everything for you and you never ask to come off the field. And then if you find some stud in the draft or some other like free agency play, like a player and you make him the wide receiver two, then you'll have the best wide receiver three in the league. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, that's kind of what the Titans need, right? Well, I think they still need someone explosive, but you know, going back to that that stated purpose of getting better around Ryan Tannehill, part of that is being more reliable around Ryan Tannehill. And we talked a lot about you know the availability thing, but Robert Woods is just one of those guys. You know where he's going to be. He's going to get open, and he's going to catch the football. He's someone that you can trust. There's not going to be these drops and fumbles and ball pops off his chest into the defense's hands and he's wide open down the field but then stops running. Like You're not going to have those problems with Robert Woods, right? No, no. He's just a very consistent player. And, and I mean, it, it shows up in the numbers. Like I could read you from 2018 to 2020. 130 targets, 86 catches, 139 targets, 90 catches, 129 targets, 90 catches. He gets open. He catches the ball. He rarely gets injured. And he's just a good player. And that's exactly what the Titans are getting. And, and I think that's what the Titans need um, in order to kind of stabilize the offense after we saw them just kind of melt down in games at times. A veteran receiver who does everything well and is going to be out there on the field. Um, knock on wood, hopefully, like this actually comes to fruition. But uh, uh, I do think it, it's a perfect a perfect match for both. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, you're talking about how consistent his targets were. If you look at what he was projected to be in a 16-game season before he got hurt, I know we have 17-game seasons now, but if you're comparing over the last few years, he was on target for 123 receptions and, you know, probably at that, like probably just under 1,000 yards, like 970 or something. So it's like it's – he is the same guy, like which is – perfect you know like like we're talking about like the whole theme is you you swung for the fences you took a chance on maybe Ferkser can be a breakout candidate maybe Julio Jones can come in and be big it's like you know what last year we saw that even with crappy players on offense they managed to get the one seed just give them the same above average slash good players week in and week out and see if they can be better because I mean Right now, like I, I have a hard time saying that that like they should go out and make more moves. But you have to look back and think, okay, we've done what we set out to do. And, and there's more left to do. But as far as the free agency part of this, like it's hard to imagine if you asked most Titans fans, hey, like it, would you give up a sixth round pick for? Robert Woods and Austin Hooper, and they're going to cost you a combined sixteen million, and uh, and not all that's going to count on the cap, and also you're going to keep Harold Landry and Ben Jones. Like, the, the, I don't I don't know any Titans fan who wouldn't have said like, okay, great. Like, I mean that that's that's obviously an upgrade. What's next? 
Because you said there's obviously more to do, and I agree 100% with that statement. I think what's next is you still got to take a receiver with your first pick of the draft. Uh, Whether that's at the end of the first round, whether you trade down into the second round, I think they need to take a receiver very, very early and not do what they did last year where it's like, okay, well, we like this Caleb Farley kid, and then you get to round two. Well, we kind of like Raiden's. Get to round three. Well, we're screwed. The guys we wanted are gone. And then you get to round four and end up with Des Fitzpatrick, and he stinks. Go get a guy. Really two years in a row. Because the hindsight on the Isaiah Wilson pick is they should have gotten Michael Pittman or T. Higgins. Yeah, I think there's a year to take a receiver in the first round for sure. I think the draft class itself kind of lends itself towards that. Um, And I think the Titans still definitely have a need at receiver. I don't know what other moves they're going to make in free agency, um, but there's really not that much out there that that makes sense from a spending perspective. I could see them bringing in maybe a cheap veteran or even bring Cam Batson back, but that's with taking a receiver in the first round or trading back into the second round and getting someone in the second round uh, I, I think that's with that in mind, and, and I think that's what the Titans are going to do. I, I still think they feel that they need to get someone else, um, especially because, yeah, they just traded for Robert Woods, but he's coming off an ACL. He's about to turn 30. There's the possibility, you know, that it doesn't work out, um, and they didn't give up too much draft capital to do it. So I, I definitely could see them going receiver in the first in the first round. Oh, man. I mean, I really want him to go receiver. I just don't They're going to take know. a tackle. <laughs> well, I don't so, think they need a tackle. I think Raiden's is the tackle. Well, the problem is, like, they've been uh, – Robinson, and this doesn't mean anything when you look historically. Like, it's just whether or not the Titans oh, talk you gotta, to him. Oh, you got to throw that party. in. Couldn't possibly criticize but, him. No, 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 it's not that. It's that there's no – Relation between Robinson in-person pro day visits and the draft picks. That's that's what I'm saying. Like it's not it's not about the actual selections, uh, but that's a good preemptive strike. Uh, the, my what I'm saying is is Robinson's been to three offensive line pro days now with um, Kenyon Green, uh, the Tulsa tackle. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I hate him. Um, Kevin Smith maybe, uh, and then. Uh, I cannot remember the third one, uh, but oh, who is it? And that's going to drive me crazy. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, the point is like he's been like he's been visiting these pro days. It seems like they're going to make a put like they're, they're going to target some. Oh, it's uh, the uh, NIU guy pinning um, who probably go like top 12. But it, it's. It seems like they're interested in that. They also went and saw some tight ends much more, much more covertly. And, you know, they're, they're setting up, they're figuring out the trade market for quarterback by going to those. So, you know, who knows what they're actually planning on doing, but I just don't know. Cause like going back to the start of this, like they've drafted one wide receiver in the first round and it was Corey Davis. And that, that did not work out like they hoped and that they wanted him to be a superstar. But, you know, when you look back at that class and how long it took the other guys to develop and where Corey Davis was when he finally left the Titans, like 
it you know it was a decent pick it wasn't a bust but it obviously wasn't the hit they wanted but then you look at Tajay Sharp who overperformed his draft spot even though he wasn't great and AJ Brown like you know clearly like one of the steals of that draft like he and Debo for sure it, you know it, it almost says like okay Drafting a wide receiver in the first round is a market in if like there is that is a problem that doesn't work. Now, again, recent history shows that's not true, but you have to kind of look at what they've done in the past and what they might think is working. I mean, they're not going to take a tight end. I just don't know what they're going to take. Like, I don't think pass rusher makes sense. I don't think corner makes sense. I don't like I don't think offensive tackle makes sense unless it's an offensive tackle who can start off as a guard their their uh, rookie year and then move to left tackle or move to right tackle wherever like down the line like I I don't I don't know like it's but wide receiver for sure but I mean how much run is Mike Vrabel going to give a wide receiver 3 who's a rookie I mean 10 snaps a game. I mean, he's just not like with AJ Brown, he was almost forced to do it because it was Tajay Sharp and Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp out snapped him for the first, you know, four games. And then it was just too obvious that AJ Brown needed to start, but it was still a month. Like I don't expect AJ Brown or Robert Woods to be such a problem that, that a rookie is going to get any time. So it's going to be like, mid-season before the guy gets any snaps and that's fine long term but I just don't know if wide receiver is going to scratch the itch that everybody's wanting it to so I I truly don't know but then what position what position would he be inside linebacker Uh, apparently Uh, if they could get Corey Davis if they could get Corey Davis with the their first round draft pick which is what 28 26. 26. If they can get Corey Davis at 26, bring it on. Yeah. Well, they might be able to get Debo Samuel uh, with Traylon Burks. But, I, I mean, the, the problem is they wouldn't use him correctly. But <laughs> he, he screams. Yeah, but we can't not draft players because Todd Downing is bad. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're <laughs> Like, trust me, I would I would spend a first round pick on Burks in a heartbeat. Everybody's worried about his forty time. You know, it it never it was never a concern on tape. He's a classic yak guy. Forty times don't mean anything to John Robinson when you look at the players he's drafted historically. Like they just what, what was not his forty important. time by the way? Four five five. Four, uh, five that's six. not bad. Not even bad. It's not well, bad at yeah, all. I think I think. People was were Divas? afraid because it, it was on that fast track. Because uh, I think didn't AJ run a four five? No, like four four nine, four four nine. Yeah, Debo ran four four eight. Yeah, and Traylon yeah. Burks is what like six three, two hundred twenty pounds. The only reason I don't like Traylon Burks is because he plays for Sam Pittman, a notorious <laughs> liar, and I, I hate that very much. The death uh, sentence. But Somewhere in yeah, the bowels like, of my external hard drive is the interview I did with Sam Pittman after the Titans drafted Isaiah Wilson, where he raved about the man's leadership skills. Yeah, he's he's the worst. He's a really good coach, but man, Danny, have you just... blocked on Twitter? Oh yeah, does he? Is that right? Let me. But I'm gonna lie. I feel like I remember this. you telling us that. I do think that I was very proud, probably because I kept adding him and calling him a liar. 
<laughs> I was, I was uh, correctly mad at him. Sam. I think I have a, I think I have a foresight to who the Titans are going to pick. Is it going to be Zion Johnson from Boston probably College? right? Like his, his like it makes sense. His son, like his like the son he wishes that. Oh, I don't want to say that's too mean, but like he's a very good offensive lineman, and uh, he was the left tackle last year before. Um, uh, before Tyler Vrabel moved over there and just oh, got run over. Um, I cannot find Sam Pittman on Twitter, which yeah, makes me think he's that blocked That means me. that he's blocked you. Um, You'd love to see it. Uh, I was for sure they were going to take Rashad Bateman last year. <sighs> yeah, everybody said that. I, 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 I was not a Bateman guy. Oh, I wasn't uh, either, but he seemed like in their yeah. mold. But that that's yeah. a conversation for another day. We do still need to talk before we get to stop the nonsense about, uh, and we didn't even, I mean, we'll have to bump some of this to next week. Uh, Matt Ryan going to the Indianapolis Colts. That's obviously big news both for the NFL and for the Titans because uh, this division just got significantly tougher. Uh, and I say that because before this trade, it was looking like the Colts were going to have Marcus Mariota or Baker Mayfield. I think Matt Ryan is a significant upgrade over both of those players. Uh, Matt Ryan is not what he once was. This is not the 2017, I guess, NFL MVP. That's not who they're getting here. But Matt Ryan is a heck of a lot better than Carson Wentz. I think he's better than Phillip Rivers was when he was there. Like I said, he's a lot better than Marcus Mariota and, and several notches ahead of Baker Mayfield, too. This is going to be, I think, the toughest Colts team because of Matt Ryan, because they have a a good, not great quarterback. This is going to be the toughest Colts team the Titans have had to have in the division since Andrew Luck retired. Now, Will, you're going to bring up the offensive line, and 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 your point on that will be accurate. Uh, but with you know an MVP level running back. Uh, Michael Pittman improving. I'm sure they'll add a weapon or two in a draft, and then a defense that is is steady and has some some nice players. They're not world beaters, but they're not going to be pushovers like I think a week ago we thought they were going to be. Yeah, before uh, Will uh, preaches preaches the anti Ballard uh, gospel, uh, I, I think this was I think this was a good move. Uh, for the Colts, for sure. Um, I think it's possible to say that it was only a good move and not say the Colts are going to be Super Bowl contenders, but also not say that this is a terrible move and it's completely going to fail. Like, it's okay to be in the middle. We don't have to go to the extreme on, on either end. Um, I think the Colts got better. I I, I think they will be slightly better um, than last year's team, just because Wentz, you know, made a lot of bad decisions and, and caused them to lose, um, particularly the most important game against the Jaguars. But I don't think this makes them like an elite team or anything. I still think they're going to hover around nine or ten wins, um, you know, average to above average. They remind me a lot of the Philip Rivers team, and I, I think that's what they will be. I think this version of Matt Ryan is pretty similar to that version of Philip Rivers, maybe a little bit more juice left. Um, but I've seen Matt Ryan play the last couple of years, and he has struggled a, a lot in some of these games. 
Um, and it's been a little tough to watch, but I do think he's an upgrade over Wentz. I think the Colts are going to be solid, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, amazing. So this is the least like a, a bottom five most talented team that uh, Matt Ryan has played with, right? Like he spent his entire career with, he went there and it was Julio Jones and uh, Roddy White. Then it was Julio Jones Tony Gonzalez. and Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah, Tony Gonzalez was in there too. L- lest we and forget the Hall of Fame it, tight end. Yeah. Then uh, it was Kyle Shanahan uh, and Julio Jones with uh, that crazy zone scheme that nobody had seen before. And Muhammad Dan Sanu. On defense. Um, Muhammad Devontae Sanu. Devontae Freeman was a pro bowler. Yep, Devontae Freeman was a pro bowler. They had, uh, I mean, Jake Matthews has been good. Like, it, they've they've had a ton of talent on that team, on that offense, and good coaches for the most part. So I think that he'll have a decent coach whose offense has sort of been figured out at this point. Like, you kind of know what he is. The problem is they're losing I mean that's already a problem but they're losing their left tackle then they're losing TY Hilton which is a bigger deal than people you know believe because it, you know at the very least he when he played he was a chain mover and he was and maybe he comes back but right now he's not back then uh they're also uh losing Jack Doyle their pro bowl tight end the Titans fans know well um he's retiring then they're lo- so. Th- first of all, that's I-, I should stop right there. That's three very key starters for this offense, um, especially when you've got a thirty. Is he is Matt Ryan going to be thirty eight or thirty seven? An old Matt Ryan um, who's already. Let's ask. You know, the Titans. Let's ask Siri. How old is Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan is eighty five years old and dead. How old is Matt Ryan? <laughs> Luke's got He's this. He's 36. So so he'll be really? 37 when the His birthday starts. is May the 17th, so he'll be 37. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. That so arm gotta, is 40, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, so that I remember, tough, right? Will, was it you who, after the Julio trade, you're like, so I've been watching a lot of Julio tape lately. And my takeaway is that Matt Ryan stinks. <laughs> Yo, he's got, like, it, people forget that we watched uh, Julio when he was still really good. Uh, a couple of years ago, and I guess this was AJ's rookie year. Um, yeah, it's when Mariota beat him. Uh, and uh, Calvin Ridley, like it, having a good, like a, one of his many good years as a rookie, and Austin Hooper was on that team. It was one of his Pro Bowl seasons. And Matt Ryan was just throwing these lame ducks and just getting absolutely locked down by Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler, who were good at the time for sure. But it's like he was already failing them at that point. Like he got easily outdueled by Mariota. So, and that was years ago. So uh, there's a lot of because there's AFC NFC crossover. Like a lot of Titans fans have not watched Matt Ryan play a game in three years or maybe like two years, whatever it is. Like they just don't like it. Just doesn't happen. Like, because they're playing at the same time the Titans are. So it's not like they're getting a lot of primetime games. So th- there's this idea of what Matt Ryan is. And it's just not, I mean, it's not like 
you know, it's almost like Philip Rivers, but if Philip Rivers waited two years to retire, it's very close to what Peyton Manning was like his last year. Like he just doesn't really have it. And all the stuff has to be yak stuff. Like, you know, so I say all that to say that. Sure. Like may, maybe there's a chance that Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz. I like, People have shown that if you look at Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan over the last four years or whatever, that Matt Ryan leads the league in interceptions over that time, even over Carson Wentz and blah, 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 blah. Like I, that, there's plenty of stats out there that show how bad Matt Ryan is. But my point is it's he's not walking into a better situation. Like He's walking into a situation with as many or more questions on the offensive line as many or more questions at wide receiver and a defense that lost their defensive coordinator, which nobody remembers, uh, by the way, Everflus, the the guy who's made that whole thing work and, you know, found creative ways to use Darius Leonard, you know, to blitz him without giving, you know, a, a pretty important piece. So I, I don't know, man, like I like I, are they a legitimate threat? No. Are they better than they were last year? Probably, but they also got to play. They also got fortunate on a lot of situations. Like, I don't know. Like, could they be an eight win team? Yeah. Like, eight wins wouldn't surprise me. Are they going to be a 10 win team? No chance. Zero percent chance they're going to be a 10 win team. Really? Really? Like, if Matt Ryan. You're just, you're wrong. They almost they won, won nine games last year with Carson Wentz, the most reckless player in the NFL. I, 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 I hear you. I, I'm very excited. I hear you, but I'm biased. Back. Well, I, I wish you would go watch Matt Ryan play football. Go like go watch Matt Ryan play football from last year because like it's it's very bad. I mean, like there's there's no way around it. Like I mean, you know, do, do it or don't. You don't have to. Like we'll we'll see. And what is it? eight months, seven months. I mean, like it will be painfully obvious that Matt Ryan is cooked and that, you know, it's a bad, like, I I mean, I don't know how, how much more I can tell you. He's got a weak arm and can't move in the pocket. Like that's a bad combination. Like, I mean, there's a reason why they wanted to trade to move on from him. And then even when they didn't get to Sean Watson, they were like, yeah, you guys can still have him. I mean, he's the NFC's Baker Mayfield, except he's old and doesn't have character problems. But I mean, but that's fine. I mean, like, I, maybe maybe they'll be better this year. I mean, we've been saying that about Chris Ballard teams for the last five years. So maybe one of these days it'll be true, and they'll win the AFC South. Off the top rope. Right about that one, though. <laughs> Isn't it wild that the Jaguars have won the AFC South more recently than the Colts? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's crazy. I can't believe that's real. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jaguars, Texans, and Titans have all won it since the Colts won it last. What do you guys think, our listeners? Is Will off the hinge or is he on to something? Let us know. I I, want to see your tweets to us at No Nonsense Pod. Uh, You're very aggressive on this, and and I appreciate that. Uh, I hope that aggressiveness stays because we're about to do Stop the Nonsense, and it's going to be a load of fun. And that'll come up in 30 seconds. We love it when when you do that. Nonsense in the sports world, out of the sports world. 
Get it to us on Twitter, at NoNonsensePod, Facebook, at NoNonsensePod. You can email us, email at NoNonsensePod. Actually, I, it's not that. It's emailnonsense at gmail.com. Emailnonsense at gmail.com. But we love to see your stuff. Uh, you can also buy Stop the Nonsense like swag and gear. Uh, you can do that by going to shop.spreadshirt.com slash NoNonsensePod. I was wearing my No Nonsense hoodie earlier today. What do you guys got? Um, I'll go first. Any... Matisse went last week. Okay. <laughs> uh, so mine is like just almost uh, as long of a tradition as we have is I either turn to PFF, Colin Cowherd, or more often Colts takes. So uh, – I had coward also. <laughs> See, I, like I like I have a Colts take, so so I knew it would be one of those things because they're just the gift that keeps on giving. Well, Colin so, loves him some uh, Chris Ballard. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure they're buddies and they text a lot. And uh, also, he tells everybody that uh, he was the one that told Chris Ballard to watch Jonathan Taylor, and that uh, Chris Ballard didn't know who he was before he told him. So you know, just good old genuine truth telling Colin Cowherd. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Zach Hicks t- tweeted uh, right after the Robert Woods trade. He said, oh, man, I can't wait to get a ton of questions from Colts fans about why the team didn't trade for a 30-year-old wide receiver coming off a torn ACL making $16 million a year. So a lot of things weird about that. First of all, the Colts have maybe like one of the – like most manageable cap situations in the NFL. Like they don't have any talented players to pay. So they have a bunch of money just in their pockets that they're not spending. And Chris Ballard does this year after year. So the goal for Colts fans should be to get talented players on the field. Um, Second off, he's not making $16 million. He's making 10 before a restructure. And third, it's either that or Paris Campbell as your wide receiver too, who has not played more than three games in his entire NFL career. Like the uh, a false sense of superiority or the audacity to think that your GM knows anything about having wide receivers who are healthy or anybody who's healthy after he basically ran Andrew Luck into retirement. You know, he's constantly like we're on the fifth straight year, fifth or sixth straight year where the Colts have had a different quarterback in place. They signed Eric Fisher after he tore his Achilles and he was terrible all year long. Like, I I promise you health was not a concern. He just, and it later came out that uh, says one more note. This is from Albert Breer, not in response directly, but it's a quote tweet sent at this Zach Hicks guy said one more on Robert Woods. The Rams worked with him to find the right destination. The Titans are a scheme fit. uh, And it basically went on to say like, you know, it was somewhere Woods wanted to go and there weren't a lot of those places. So he picked them basically like, if I'm reading between the lines, he wanted to go to a good team with an e like a system that fit him in a place where there weren't wasn't much competition. So the Colts were never in the running. They never could have thought about having Robert Woods, and now they're crying about cap space and all this other stuff. And they're going to trot out somebody who's going to get hurt on his fifth snap of the game. Like it, it is just insane to me to watch Colts fans act like they have any clue what they're doing. Man, this has just been like Will hating the Colts hour, more so than usual. 
Um, I hope Colts fans listen to this episode. God, <laughs> I, I hope they do too. I, I, I hope I hope you guys enjoy it because <laughs> I'm telling you the stuff that your beat writers aren't telling you that they'll leak after Chris Ballard gives them permission later. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. My stop the nonsense goes out to the Mexican restaurant that I ate at on Sunday. I won't tell you the name of it because I'm nice, but this place yesterday because I ate there on Sunday and then on Monday. It was like, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine what some of the travesties that some people go through with their bodies and their health. It, it was a day. I mean, there was one point where I was, I needed to clean some stuff up at my apartment. And like, I, I had to sit down and take a nap because I couldn't take another step. Uh, this the, and all I had at this place, I had three tacos. That was it, and some chips and salsa. Three tacos, and it uh, wreaked havoc on my body for twenty four hours. Until uh, to stay away from graphic territory, it finally, at the conclusion of the day, decided to leave my body, um, and not in the way that food leaves your body on normal days. So. Terrible experience. One one of my best friends was was there too, and she uh, similar thing happened to her. So, frick you, this Mexican restaurant that made my Monday one of the worst Mondays I've ever had in my years on this earth. It's sort of fun to hear that uh, <laughs> there's just a ticking time bomb in Nashville, and Luke knows where it is, and he won't tell it's anybody. Not in Nashville. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, there, so if you're in Nashville, you're safe. If you're anywhere else, <laughs> you are you are not safe. Like that's a very fun thing to say. It's like I won't tell you this restaurant that definitely got me sick and me and my friends. So you know, if you feel a little queasy, you're probably dead. <laughs> what kind of tacos were they? Just crunchy beef oh, tacos, like the most plain okay. thing you could possibly Ground get at beef. a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. If ground beef is bad, it'll uh, it'll get you for sure. Not like chicken. Right. That's why I like my chicken real like sushi like in the middle. It, it's <laughs> yeah, like that, sort of that, a refreshing love taste. Me some, thing. Love me some medium rare chicken. <laughs> I, I mean, people overcook it. Like I don't want it white all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> that'll give you more. That'll right. give you more than the runs. That'll give you the. <laughs> the that'll toxins. give you the falls and go to the hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Uh, I'll close this out here with uh, Colin Cowherd, who, you know, every now and then makes an appearance uh, on this segment. And uh, this tweet today was uh, was gold, really. He tweeted out, sources tell me Lincoln Riley's first USC practice was flawless. Oh, come on. One observer noted some are calling it the greatest practice ever on a college campus. That's sarcasm, clearly. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> think it is. Yeah. I if anybody else said it, I would think it was uh, satire, but man, Colin Cowherd is just either I, it acutely sounds like aware Trump. That, or completely. It sounds like unaware. Trump said it. It does. Yes. I liked that tweet. Like I, I hit the like button when I saw it. Granted, Colin and Colin and Lincoln Riley are boys. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Is like Luke can Luke is smart enough to see like the satire in that. Like, I'm I'm almost like I wonder if somebody told Cowherd that they're like, 
you know you sound like a moron in this, right? And he's like, it's a joke. And like it's worked out so long for him that he's just like, I'm just going to keep saying it's a joke and uh, people will think I'm very smart. Uh, he's so aggravating. Hmm. Well, it's been a great episode. There was a lot to talk about, but we we did it. We got through and and we did it in, in the nick of time. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week to keep this discussion up and it's also going to be draft time next week which is crazy to think about so stay tuned for that until then for will and matthias i'm luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.